is in the air, so it's time to add trending autumn hair color hues. Whether it's a chestnut brown, honey blonde balage, or warm copper highlight you want, we can create the look you're dreaming of at the Infinity Salon at the Market on State. For a limited time, try one of our Goldwell Color Locking Serums for only $5 with another service. That's a $20 value. You can book online or call to make an appointment. The Infinity Salon. To infinity and beyond! Your expectations. At Ohio Health, we believe change can be good, and much has changed throughout the years. Our primary care has expanded. Our departments have gained recognition and certification for their excellence. We are committed to treating Southeast Ohio to the best care and the best medicine possible. Visit OhioHealth.com slash to see all the changes we've made for the good of our region. Hi, I'm Kim, and it's It's really. (laughs) Tune in to Make It Happen with Kim and Ruth every Wednesday morning at ten oh six at. Alpine Heating and Cooling is a local, veteran-owned HVAC. Seven point one FM. Another beautiful morning outside. Look at that uh, sunshine, and I mean it's chilly, but it is fall, right? We got a free-for-all today. Whether you have a comment to make, an opinion to share, or a question to ask, give us a call. Our number is 740 592-6646. All right. W-A-T-H on the 97s. All right. I'm Dave Palmer. Scott's here as well. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, let's see here. Today is Wednesday. It's October 23rd. Um, by the way, tomorrow we'll have um, a guest. Rebecca Snell will be joining us. She's a professor at Ohio University in the Department of Environmental and Plant Biology. Okay, what are we going to be talking about? Well, generally speaking, it simply comes down to climate change, right? I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of, uh, what would you call it, people saying, you know, things are changing. 
And um, is that true or not? And, um, you know, when you look at the, the tenure of Earth, um, how many such changes have there been? And what does it do to us and to plants especially? Because, well, you know, here we are. Um, let's see, are human beings mammals? I think so, right? I would say so, yes. Yeah. Well, anyway. We're not amphibious. <laughs> well, sometimes. <laughs> anyway. some Well, some kids are when they get in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but the point is, uh, you know, we're, we're highly reliant on oxygen. We could not live without oxygen, right? And uh, there's other uh, creatures on Earth in the same boat. I, I shouldn't get too far into this. But the point is, um, plants create oxygen. And they're reliant on carbon, um, what am I trying to say? Dioxide. Thank you. So anyway, we'll, we'll just see how things go. But uh, climate change, that's our principal topic tomorrow, but uh, particularly uh, the interaction with plants. All right, so Rebecca Snell tomorrow. I think it'll be interesting. All right, so let's see. Today, October 23rd, I said, it's a Wednesday. This is the 296th day of this calendar year. 69 days remain. Only if you're counting up for it, of course. Let's see, in terms of highlight in history, um, well, October 23rd, 1973. That's um, two days before I arrived. No, no, that's the same day I arrived in Athens, Ohio. How about that? It was on that date that President Richard Nixon agreed to turn over the White House tape recording, subpoenaed by the Watergate special prosecutor. Um, and, um, yeah, those were pretty revealing, weren't they? I'll turn off uh, Scott's mic. Left the door open and there's chatter out in the hall. Uh, anyway, yeah, the day. Yeah, we, we bought this station um, on September 5th. I mean, we clo- the, we officially took over September 5th, 1973. But it took me about a month and a half before I got here uh, from Hawaii. And um, so October 23rd, 1973 was also the first day I stepped into the building. It was a Saturday, as I recall. And uh, hardly any staff here, just one or two people. And it's raining. And my fr- I think I've told this story before. Um, without getting too uh, personal or anything, uh, we had stopped in uh, Lancaster before there was a bypass. Remember right at that main intersection there, there was a coffee shop with donuts and stuff. And Dad and I got some coffee. And I don't know what, how, you know, coffee goes right through me, right? So, um... By the time we got to uh, Nelsonville, I was kind of ready to uh, use the restroom. Anyway, so we pulled into the parking lot, and I said, where's the restroom? He said, right at the end of the hall. 
So I made a beeline for it, and the first thing that my first experience at WATH was the toilet overflowed. <laughs> That's the truth. And so I'm, you know, rapidly reaching in the tank and trying to pull that, you know what I mean, get the water stuff. So then I walked out, and then I realized that there was um, the sound of drips. And there were waste baskets and um, empty paint cans and things spread out throughout the building. Uh, the roof leaked. And they were catching all these uh, drops, right? <laughs> and, I, and I walked into a studio... Um, our studios were entirely different and in different locations within the building than they are now. So I walked into what today is production. Yep. That was our main AM, or our main control room back then. And there was Woody Simpson. The Squire of the Hocking Valley, I later named him. Anyway. So, um, most interesting to... Uh, see what I had uh, left in Honolulu. <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, 189 TV station uh, employees with a TV station and beautiful facilities and everything. Yeah, All right. Nothing about... Whoops, uh, let me turn your mic back on. I turned it off while oh, you stepped out. Yeah, Sorry. Okay. No, nothing about the warm tropical paradise weather out there either other than... Yeah. Other than it was it was raining that day. day, I don't recall the temperature. But um, I mean, leaving Honolulu, you yeah, know, for oh, this. Sure. But uh, <laughs> sometimes uh, we do things. Yeah. Let's see what else do we have here. Um, so, as far as today is concerned, our thought for the day comes from um, oh Johnny Carson. Yeah, it's his birthday. Today, well, would have been yeah. obviously. He was born on this date, um, nineteen twenty-five, I think. Correct, and died in two thousand five. Okay. Uh, just be yourself. It's the only way it can work. <laughs> and that's you know, even though he was known for snappy stuff and and very um, comedy appealing stuff. He was right on when he said that. Yeah. Very witty comedy, too. Sure. And some of the guests uh, he had on his talk show there, a lot of us remember those. Well, he was terrific. Yep. For mm. me, there there will never be another Johnny Carson. You know, I do watch... Um, um, you know, oh, let me back up. I would say... That, uh, you know, that expression, I'm a religious follower. Uh, yeah. I was a religious watcher of The Tonight Show. Oh, yeah. Likewise. I can't say I hold that same um, thing anymore. Uh, or since. Um, there are now, what, multiple late night uh, shows. And they all... Strive for guests and comedy and and some sensationalism, energy, all that stuff. Um, 
And I think all of them have a certain degree of good, but no one has ever captured me in the same way as The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson did. Yep. Same here. And again, I think they try to push for that sensationalism aspect of trying to get so many viewers. Who was the guy on CBS that... um, Colbert? No, no, no. Before. David Letterman? Yes. Okay. He came close for me. Yeah, he was good. He took the Tonight Show there for a while, didn't he? After Carson? You know, I'm all confused. I, I think he did. But maybe that's why I liked him, if he did immediately follow, because I still was in the habit, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, enough of that. Yeah. Um, let's see, birthdays. Um, Pele. Soccer great, right? 79. Mercy. How the time flies. Brian Ross of um, ABC. He was an investigative reporter. Is an investigative reporter yet. 71. Uh, actor Michael Rupert, uh, 68. Um, Diane Reeves, jazz singer, one, a favorite of mine, 63. Um, ba-bum, ba-bum, ba-bum. Martin Luther King III is 62. He, They describe him here as a community activist. That, that would be one. But I'd say he wears a numerous, a numerous hats. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> they describe him as a parodist. Parody? Parodist? Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't think I've seen that word anywhere. But um, whatever you describe him as, it's crazy. 60 years of age. Uh, Scanning down here. Boy, there's lots of names today. Sanjay Gupta from CNN, medical reporter. I think he has some ties to Athens also. 50 today. Uh, A lot of names I don't know. Well, anyway, let's see who's the youngest person today. Actress Amanda Stenberg. Amanda Stenberg, 21. Just for kicks, look her up, would you? Let's see what she's done. Uh, A-M-A-N-D-L-A. Amanda Stenberg. S-T-E-N-B-E-R-G. All right. Well, that's happening. We'll set this over here. She is an American actress and singer-songwriter. She portrayed Rue in The Hunger Games, Madeline Whittier in Everything, Everything, and Star Carter in The Hate You Give. You know any of those? I don't. No. But I mean, I'm, I don't <laughs> claim to be a movie aficionado, aficionado, whatever that is. Aficionado. Okay. You got it. Um, at all. There was a day, maybe, but not 
not in a long time. Yeah. She was also apparently in Sleepy Hollow, The Eddie, and Mr. Robinson. Okay. Which uh, still doesn't do much for my recognition. There's a couple titles there that I have heard, Mm -hmm. but that's it. Yeah. Okay, so see, October 23rd. Today is, now this is odd to me. Well, one in particular. I'll get to it. It's National Boston Cream Pie Day. I can't really imagine... I I can't picture Boston Cream Pie. I've heard of it all my life. I'm sure I've had it. But what it is, I can't remember. And and I'm, I'm guessing I liked it, too. Okay, today is iPod Day. Okay, iPod. Now, I'm really going to embarrass myself by admitting I can't remember what an iPod is. It's a computer device. I know that. Mm-hmm. It's a handheld device. Basically, what, what you're holding there with your phone. Okay. But I... App, Apple? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So, it's an Apple... An iPod's an Apple device. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Well, anyway, it's iPod day. It's Swallows Depart from San Juan Capistrano Day. <clears throat> oh, this is interesting, given our topic about Johnny Carson and all of that, and his uh, successors. National TV Talk Show Host Day. Okay, here's the one I don't understand. National Mole Day. M-O-L-E. Okay, Okay, now, I... The only thing I... There's only two things I can think of that are moles. One's on your body and the other one's in the ground. And neither one are all that interesting. Really? (laughs) (laughs) So, what... Why? Well, um, National Mole Day. Well, M O L E. You know, we as I looked here at uh, is an unofficial holiday celebrated among chemists, chemistry students, chemistry enthusiasts, and design and technology teachers and students on October twenty third between six o two a.m. and six o two p.m. Making the six o two H. 10-23 in the American Style of Writing dates. Uh, I believe that is a chemistry term in that about the... Uh, the mole? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I think it's... Isn't it also... Uh, uh, it is... Okay, here it goes on. The time and date are devi- uh, derived from the Av- Avogadro number, which is approximately what I just mentioned, 6.02 times... 10 to the 23rd power, defining the number of particles, atoms, or molecules in one mole of substance. One of the seven base SI units. So that is. So a, it had nothing to do with what I thought of. Not a thing. <laughs> a body mark or a, um, a critter that burrows under the surface of the grass. Right. It's a scientific term. Yes. Specifically relating to chemistry. 
where is Ken Brown when I need him? <laughs> well, now he lives in Seattle. So. Yeah. Well, that's what anyway. it is. It defined that this particular date at uh, that particular time, 602, 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd, defines the number of particles in one mole of substance. Clear as mud. Well, uh, n- you know, the more you went through it, the more it is slightly coming back to me what that term meant. But, uh, mercy. Okay. It is, uh... Let's see here. If we want to go on very quickly here, it's using chemistry as a convenient way to express amounts of reactants and products of chemical reactions. So that's how they measure a chemical reaction. And they've got, actually, using the example of the the chemical equation for water, H2O, got two moles of dihydrogen and one mole of dioxygen, O2, react to form two-mole water, H2O. And there's your chemistry lesson for today. I loved chemistry. Loved that class. <laughs> but back then, we used a slide rule. Remember those? As calculators oh, I, didn't really exist back I have. Then. I still like using a slide rule. Oh, we did talk about that one time. Um, okay. I, I just love putting together those chemical equations. Well, let's move on. All right. Um, okay, so um, I don't know whether to do something. Uh, well, let's let's do this first. Uh, let's do some more historical events on this date, like. So on this date in 1911 was the first aerial reconnaissance mission. It occurred during uh, the Italo-Turkish War. And an Italian pilot flew over Turkish lines. So that was 1911 on this date. 1942, during World War II, Britain launches a major offensive at El Alamein, that being in Egypt. Um, let's see, in 1977, paleontologist Elso Barghorn announces the discovery of a 3.4 billion year old one-celled fossil which is still believed to be one of the earliest forms of life on Earth. 3.4 billion year old fossil. That makes those uh, mummies that they discovered last week, 30 of them, uh, like children. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, well. Uh, let's see, 1981, the U.S. national debt hits $1 trillion for the first time on this date, 1981. What else can we mention here? <laughs> Ludwig Lerhart. Anyway, let's look him up. <laughs> Untie the tongue. 
L E I C H H A R D T. He was born on this date in 1813. He died in 1848. Didn't live a whole long time. Um, but what was his notoriety? Forgive my folks. I I don't mind admitting uh, that two things are happening. One is I'm not sure I knew it in the first place, and second, if I did, I may have forgotten. <laughs> What's that? Uh, some you. of these names and so on. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Friedrich Wilhelm Ludwig Leichhardt, known as Lud- Ludwig Leichhardt, was a German explorer and naturalist, most famous for his exploration of northern and central Australia. Way to go, Ludwig. Okay, well, he was born on this date in 1830. CBS News Update. Oops, I forgot new- to do that. Okay, you even reminded me. Um, let's see here. Marcus Agrippa. Um, it looks like some sort of concrete statue of his uh, head and face, in which he looked pretty cool, actually. But he was uh, born on this date in 63 B.C. He looks like he has that determined look on his face, on that statue. A Roman consul, statesman, general, and architect. He was a close friend, son-in-law, and lieutenant to Gaius Julius Caesar. Okay. Now we have two famous deaths here that... um uh, show up on this report. Christian Dior, so that fashion designer, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <clears throat> he was born in 1905 and died in 1957 on this date. And then this other name, I, I feel I should know, but I don't. W.G., those are initials, Grace, who was... Um, Born in 1848, but died on this date in 1915. Now, what was his thing? William Gilbert, W.G. Grace, was an English amateur cricketer. You know, he he looks like an athlete, except for that big beard. Yeah. He was important in the development of the sport cricket and is uh, widely considered one of its greatest ever players. Of course, he knew how to play better than anybody else. He developed it. (laughs) Play by my rules. (laughs) All right. All right, here is something interesting that caught my attention. Why is cricket called cricket? He proposed the name cricket come from the Middle Dutch phrase for hockey, which is uh, in in German. I'm not even going to try it with this pronunciation here it means with the stick chase early cricket was played with a stick that resembled more like a hockey stick than the modern day cricket bat Hmm. have you ever I, i have not i haven't either i think i would like to in fact i can truly say i've never seen a game of cricket, uh, cricket. I mean, like in any length to know how you score or anything like that. But I'd like to learn. 
Yeah, I, I I'm just I would too. personally curious. Yeah. Okay, so there's a term that's been used a lot lately in the news. And I've never heard it used at the frequency it's been used in the last couple of months. Quid pro quo. Now, had I heard it ever? Yes. Um... But it never, how do I want to put it? It never seemed like a negative thing. Where right now it is pretty serious. So I took a moment this morning and pulled out a definition. Because sometimes you hear a phrase and you hear it so often and you, you know, everybody assumes you know it. But maybe you don't. So quid pro quo is a Latin phrase, obviously, used in English to mean an exchange of goods or services in which one transfer is contingent upon the other. A favor for a favor. Um, Other similar phrases with similar meanings would be perhaps give and take, tit for tat, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours, And one more I thought of was one hand washes the other. Okay. So, quid pro quo. I, generally speaking, don't have any problem with it. I think... um, The reason this has gotten such coverage or is so alarming is how it was used. Um, In an electoral process to gain damaging information um against an opponent you say well I'm not going to help you unless you help me with this Um, that is a bit alarming I mean it's what an understatement Um, however you know if it's used in the sense of uh, you help us with this and we'll help you with that not involved with an election or personal success or something like that, right? Uh, That's a useful and, I think, permissible and common practice. It's not 
It's not the same as trying to get some dirt on somebody that you are going to be pitted against, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> so I've been wanting to talk about that quid pro quo, and then I come into in the morning, and then I forget about it as I'm preparing for the show. So this morning I finally remembered to bring in this definition. Yeah. And, and before we go on here, if I can interject, don't, don't you think that happens more than the average person knows about when it comes to things like that, the, the behind-closed-doors handshake, so to speak? Oh, yes, but not in the sense of... Where it's gotten today, yeah. N- not in the sense of, of gathering damaging information against yeah. a, 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 an opponent. Well, it was very well publicized that both sides have taken part in things like that, trying to dig up dirt on the opponents. And unfortunately, that happens a lot in yeah, politics but, 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 today. But, wait a minute. Um, to, on an international basis, to say to one country, uh, we will help you. Um, particularly if you can give us some information. Mm-hmm. Yep. Versus um, I, I, I don't know how to put it. It's just I, I don't think well it, it's unfortunate. We'll leave it at that. Quid pro quo. I um I have had um, it's not like I have uh, attorneys around me constantly. Um, and, and even though some of my best friends are lawyers, um, I certainly try to avoid <laughs> having to use lawyers. <laughs> uh, so anyway. <laughs> but but it's impossible to avoid them altogether. So anyway, uh, what I'm getting at is, um, you know, I've I've had it used in a legal sense uh, with dealings we've had, uh, not in recent history, but I mean over the years, uh, where um, uh, you can be helpful to one another, which is kind of like, isn't that like um, what families are supposed to do and. And uh, friends, you know, you help one another and all of that stuff. Yeah, you do. So, anyway. um, All right. Now, let's see here. There was another thing I wanted to bring up. What did I do with it? Um, I'll keep looking here. I think I'm all set. Yeah, here it is. Okay, so what are the headlines going on right now? Well... We just sort of touched on it, and that is this uh, this impeachment investigation. We also have a growing crisis involving detainees in northern Syria. But there's also a story out about a computing milestone. Um, now, here there, there's some... Not every story is pleasant, of course. 
Uh, I hadn't heard about this until I came across this briefing this morning from the New York Times. But I guess yesterday, in London, a truck that was parked in an industrial park, they found 39 people. The bodies of, that means dead, were found of 39 people. And all we got on it is that the driver has been arrested on suspicion of murder. That's really horrific, obviously. Um, okay, what else? We had uh, William Taylor, who testified yesterday to Congress, to a congressional committee, I think. Um, see, what, what what is his role again? He's, um, I, I think he's like the ambassador to the, the Ukraine? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And it says he has served in every presidential administration since 1985. Um, That's interesting because, you know, we've had different parties in sometimes Republicans, sometimes Democrats, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. So that in itself, I've always felt if, if here's somebody that is affiliated with a particular party but has been asked by various administrations of not always the same as his own to continue service that speaks highly of someone you know what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. yep okay the valuable part of the cabinet there well not the cabinet but the ambassador links all around the world well and maybe he had some cabinet levels i don't know yeah anyway there's a lot of focus on that and uh, these were closed-door things. As I wish more of these things were closed-door, frankly. All right. Of course, the president's not happy about that interview with the congressional committee. What else do we have here? Um... Okay, so I'm working to get um, a friend of mine and a neighbor uh, to come in and be on the show. Uh, Nuket Sandal is her name. Um, she and her husband, um, Mike Bump. Many of you know Mike. Um, we go out to dinner once in a while. We're good social friends, but she is a very notable, truly, nationally, internationally notable um, on the topic of ISIS and Syria and Turkey. And uh, you see her, she's interviewed uh, often by Oh, the likes of uh, PBS, or the New York Times, or the Washington Post. So, um, I'm hoping that maybe sometime next week she can come in and be our guest. And shed some light on all of this from her point of view. 
by the way, her uh, her own uh, nationality. I mean, she may be. I'm sorry. She. I'm sure she's a U.S. citizen, but uh, originally Turkey. And what what a mess over there right now, right? Okay, so this computing breakthrough topic that was kind of mentioned earlier. Uh, this is something Google, Google, <laughs> Google um, claims they they have accomplished quantum supremacy, a milestone that would make current supercomputers look like toys. At a research lab in California, a mathematical calculation that the largest supercomputers could not complete in under one, I'm sorry, in under 10,000 years was done in three seconds and 20 minutes. This is, uh, this was published, the article about this, uh, this um, accomplishment in the science journal Nature. Now, let's see here. What can we... That sounds amazing. First of all, that they could guesstimate that the largest supercomputers, given this mathematical calculation, that it would take 10,000 years for it to complete the the, um, problem. Okay. So let's see here. I mean, how do they figure that? And now, with this new Wismo, three minutes and 20 seconds. Okay, background. Our reporter, Dennis Oberby, explains. And this is from the New York Times. Ordinary computers store data and perform computations as as a series of bits that are either 1 or 0. I knew that. By contrast, a quantum computer uses qubits, which can be 1 and 0 at the same time, at least until they are measured. I think I followed that. But it also strikes me as such a simple thing to have done that why didn't someone think of it before? Well, let's go on. So what's next? Scientists likened the announcement to the Wright brothers' first flight in 1903, proof that something is possible even though it may be years before it can fulfill its potential. Brexit is still in the news. Britain's scheduled withdrawal from the European Union on October 31st appears nearly impossible after Prime Minister Boris Johnson lost a critical vote in Parliament yesterday. While lawmakers approved the broad outlines of Mr. Johnson's plan, his first victory in Parliament after being a string of defeats but then voted down an effort to fast-track the legislation. So what's next? Well, Brussels must now decide on an extension. 
if a delay stretches into next year. Mr. Johnson has said that he might pull the bill and call an election, figuring that he could win with a mandate for a swift Brexit. Well, those are some of the things making the news. Let's see if anything else pops out at me. Oh, Mark Zuckerberg, right? From Facebook? Mm-hmm, yep. Um, they're trying to come up with a policy... And then, what, implement the policy of somehow or other curbing false information or, I, I, I don't know how to describe it exactly, um, but they're under the microscope, Facebook that is. And if someone says something that's just outright damaging and false about someone else, um, does Facebook have a responsibility to omit that? Well, I think that may be part of where the fake news could apply there too at times if it is fake but there's I, also an issue of social uh, what do you call it the um, cryptocurrency yep which is um, is that bitcoin mm-hmm. and stuff like that yes it is you know I don't understand don't even try to understand what that is maybe we ought to uh, take a look at that someday when we have a free for all yeah well i think we have looked at bitcoin a couple times there well, but i don't not, not enough we, for me to know what well, it we, means. well we can we can kick it around again then but uh personally i don't see any backing behind it now they claim there is they being the ones that started out all of this but it's not like as we said before uh backed by the fdic Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's a collapse of that currency or something like that, they've got really no one to bail them out, from what I understand. Um, plant-based burgers. I want to try one of those. The well, Impossible I, I, Burger I, I, or something like that. I've had one. Are they, uh, I've had are several. They? Um, back when we had the chip program, we right. were in, um, Pat and I were in class eight. Right. I think they're up to 33 now. Um, <coughs> they have, the, the one we tried back then was not bad. Is it similar to a veggie burger? Well, yeah. Okay. I've, I have tried one then. Okay. I mean, but it I, was, it was the frozen veggie burger, you know? I don't know if they're any different if they're made in a restaurant like well, another burger. What I'm be. trying to say is in the four years since we took chip or whatever, however long it's been, uh, the plant-based burgers have improved tremendously. 
Now, you know, there's a lot of a lot of talk about health and the advantages of health uh, issues with eating more plant-based food and stuff like that. We learned all of that. Um, and, and we made an effort uh, and continue to do so. Uh, we, we have not, uh, it was never our intent to become vegan or even vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Right. But we wanted to know more and we learned more. Right. And I highly recommend the uh, Eat Healthy Appalachia program or CHIP to you. All right. Um, but the plant-based burgers now, uh, I tell you, if someone didn't tell you, that it was plant-based, you might not know. They've really improved. Well, we have about five minutes remaining in today's program. Once again, our topic tomorrow... Uh, what did, did I do? Oh, yeah, climate change. And uh, as you might expect, it's a very important topic. So, Rebecca Snell joins us tomorrow. She's a professor at Ohio University with a special knowledge of this whole concept of climate change, particularly as it deals with, um, well, plants and forests and things like that. You know, our son Paul um, lives in Irvine, California, beautiful area, just slightly south of Los Angeles. But his business facility is out in Irvine, excuse me, Irvine Valley. And I guess it's like a two-hour drive. Basically the desert. And, you know, how can places side by side be so different or so near to each other that you have a desert and two hours away you have lush, beautiful California, right? Um, and of course um, I don't think Paul's been affected at all but there are parts of California where these wildfires they, they're they concerned about some equipment they meaning the utility companies are turning off some power equipment during extra high demand periods because they believe the equipment could fail and that would spark a fire. You know, up on our tra- up on our poles, we have transformers. These transformers basically convert 12,000 volts or higher down to um, 220 and 110. And then there's wires that come off these transformers to feed our homes, right? Or our businesses. Mm -hmm. Yep. These transformers have been up there for years in many cases. And some of them, if they are being asked to perform higher than their customary usage, can catch fire. And with all of the concern about Wildfires, forest fires in California and other places. Well, they've been intentionally 
dropping the power, uh, going dark in certain areas to prevent the likelihood of them starting some forest fires. Very concerning for people. So, I'm glad I don't live there. Um, Let's see, what do we have here? Century National Bank. Let's do a word for them. Whoops, let me see here. Let's, Let's stop that. And let me get my buttons just right, and we'll do it again. At Century National Bank, we believe strong communities are built with local volunteers, donations, and leadership. Last year, we supported 301 local organizations and donated more than $393,000 to our local communities. Our bankers care about helping our entire community thrive and prosper. Century National Bank is committed to investing money locally and doing everything in our power to support the people and groups in our neighborhoods. Century National Bank, Division of the Park National Bank, member FDA. CenturyNationalBank.com. And now this for Athens Electronic Repair. At Athens Cell Phone and Electronics Repair, we repair all brands of cell phones, tablets, and computers, including iPhones and Samsung devices. Whether it's a screen or battery replacement, logic board repairs, or charge ports, Athens Cell Phone and Electronics can fix it all. Why spend a bunch of money on a new device? With over 40 years of electronic experience, we'll repair your device for a fraction of the cost. We're open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Saturdays from 8 a.m. to noon. Stop in and see us at Richland Avenue between Taco John's and McAfee's. Give us a call for a free estimate at 740-590-1677. All right. Good morning, folks. Let's see here. About 45. What What do we... Where do I look? 30 seconds away from CBS News. We have so many different screens now in the studios with so much more information. So, um, anyway. Um, once again, tomorrow, Rebecca Snell will talk about uh, climate change. And uh, we've heard so much about it, so it should be an interesting program. So when you hear the tone, it will be um, 10 o'clock, right?
posible. Welcome to my house. Welcome to the meat lover section of my in-laws vegan barbecue. Burgers, finally. Welcome to my therapist's office, where it's okay to eat your feelings and quesadillas. Welcome to Chili's Delivery. Order online at chilis.com slash delivery and get all your favorite three for ten meals, like Cajun chicken pasta, delivered right to you wherever you are. At participating restaurants only, three for ten not available via third-party platforms. Delivery fee supply. A heart in my tasty honey nut Cheerios? Cereal, you trying to tell me you love me? Actually, it's reminding you that it can help lower cholesterol as part of a heart-healthy diet. Wait! Ah! They can help lower cholesterol? I've been so focused on the sweet, tasty taste that I completely forgot. Now I'm in love. <laughs> Learn more about making Honey Nut Cheerios part of your heart-healthy lifestyle by picking up a box at your local grocery store. The search is on for a dog napper in South Carolina. A four-year-old Bijan Frise, worth about $10,000, has been snatched from a home near Greenville, South Carolina. A microchip on the 11-pound Snow White dog that's said to be a breeding champion was scanned shortly afterward at a pet store about 15 miles away. Police have released a photo of a woman who was seen wheeling the dog named Leah into the store. Jim Crisula, CBS News. If you visited Disneyland in L.A. last week, public health officials are warning guests may have been exposed to measles. Someone who's been diagnosed was there from 9 in the morning past 8 at night last Wednesday. They also went to a Starbucks on South Sepulveda Boulevard. The risk of developing measles lasts for up to three weeks after you're exposed. A large outbreak that began at Disneyland three years ago spread to six states as well as Mexico and Canada and ignited a broader debate about vaccinations. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Are you facing a terrible future of getting up three times a night to urinate, male performance problems, and worse? Your prostate can become your worst enemy. I'm Dr. McGill, board-certified physician here at Ideal Male Labs, and I'm ashamed at how most physicians don't know anything about natural methods of prostate health. And remember, many men who need medical treatment for the prostate often end up impotent. But a healthy man can urinate easily, sleep through the night, and maintain his masculine prowess naturally. I didn't want men becoming impotent. So to help men maintain good prostate health naturally, I created my one-of-a-kind prostate formula. My prostate formula is so good that I'll pay you $100 to try it at UrgentProstate.com. Because of the rarity of the ingredients, I only have a limited supply of bottles on hand. Visit UrgentProstate.com to get your 60-day supply right now before I run out. Remember, try my prostate formula for 60 days, and if it isn't everything I say it is, then I'll give you your money back, plus $100, all in accord with the simple, honest offer at UrgentProstate.com. 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 Lowe's and the Athens City Fire Department are proud to host Kids Safety Day on October 26th from 10 to 2. Fire trucks, police vehicles, and other large equipment will be on display in the Lowe's parking lot on East State Street. Bring your kids and join Lowe's at their location on East State Street for safety activities and fun for all to attend. It's Kids Safety Day on October 26th from 10 to 2. 
If you haven't been listening to the Sports Fan, presented by JMK Contracting, here's what you've been missing. I'm your host, Troy Bowen, sitting alongside Lucas Moore. I mean, there's just so many question marks with the Athens Bulldogs on the offensive line. There's question marks at the quarterback position. There's question marks with the head coach. And I know that you and I, we believe in Nathan White and Joey Moore, but, you know, belief only goes so far. There, there are things that have to be proven. The Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Weenie Wednesday. Hungry? Larry's Doghouse on West Union Street has corn dogs and regular sized hot dogs for just 99 cents each. Mmm, Larry's. Weenie Wednesday. The Athens Bulldogs return to the Gridiron Ando 970 WATH Friday when they take on the River Valley Raiders in Bidwell. Quarterback Joey Moore racked up 304 total yards last week, passed for two touchdowns, and ran for two more to lead Athens past Wellston 34-18. With the victory, the Bulldogs moved into first place in the TVC Ohio division with just two regular season games remaining. Friday's TVC Ohio showdown between Athens and River Valley can be heard live on 970 WATH with pregame at 715 and the kickoff at 730. It's our press. Coat of arms and what it means to wear it. Vinsky will take the tap of the head for Nudabara out to the neutral zone, finding Polito. It's when we dig deep. Polito's got help on the rush at the right moment. And he drops it back for Dubinsky over to Savarni! Shoots and scores! It's our blue, and out of our blue, we rise. Head to bluejackets.com for tickets, news, and more. Sound especially strange to some people, but 
Health education, modern health education is really about policy change, policy system and environmental change. So that might be new to some folks who think that health educators just do programs mm -hmm. like seatbelt safety mm -hmm. or healthy eating programs. It's really more about establishing structures. And, oh, wow, there we go. I knew there was something amiss. Um, Hopefully you hear us loud and clear now. Yeah. I can tell the difference. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, health education is more about permanent, sustainable change or improvement or support that makes the healthy choice the easy choice. And if that means changing the way um, people do business or the way a work site functions just to make their employees healthier or to change the actual environment to increase bike paths and, um, you know, parks and places to park your bike, bike racks. That's really the, the long-standing sustainable change that health education is really about. So I feel like hearing that, I pick up pieces like, oh, they are planners. They are also worksite wellness experts, potentially. Um, there's a lot of facets that come to it, so we have to be pretty well-rounded. And um, what helps us with that is there are many um, educational programs for this, but something that's really neat is we are actually can be certified and credentialed. We can have those um, fancy letters after our name. Um, but what that really means is we've gone through really extensive training and we continue to go through that training um, so we can be best prepared to do these types of changes for our communities. There you go. Well said. So this is not a new holiday, so to speak, health holiday. It's been going on for many years, uh, Health Education Week. I'm trying to remember... Um, I'm looking at a timeline here that starts from 1953, where National Health Education Week was instituted with the Department of Health, a cabinet-level department. So all the way, oh yeah, all the way, I'm sorry, I'm starting at the top of the timeline. I should go down to the bottom. 1911, when county health departments were initiated. Now, that's cool. Can we talk about that for a second? Um, so I personally have been doing some research at our county health department shout out to Wendy. Thank you for being awesome at keeping records of this. Um, just trying to figure out the history of where we came from. So we go all the way back to 1903 when we were originally the Athens Village Board Health Department and or Board of Health, I think as it was called then. Um, but why did we form then? I think that can be an interesting question. And it was really because um, it was formed around the sale of raw milk and unsupervised meat selling, I guess. And then also a lot of um, people then had livestock, and there were many nuisance complaints on that. And then they were wanting to control stormwater, which I find really interesting. But then um, further along, I feel like you started to see health education programs coming about, and I don't know when we started them in our county, and maybe you know Ruth, but I know it predates 1998, which is pretty cool, because um, that wasn't always a thing for health departments to have a health education. It's an old thing, but kind of a new thing, if that makes sense. I did come onto the scene in 2000, and there had been somebody um, already doing health education, focusing on tobacco, I think, yep. mm -hmm. but originally. So 
uh, Glenn was his name. He was health educator Glenn. Um, so, yeah, we've been doing this for quite some time. And so health departments, as Carrie was saying, offer a lot of resources that protect the, the community in terms of uh, preventing illness and injury in a number of ways. Um, but the health education department has, has kind of just, it's like the more modern kind of part of what health, edu- or what health departments are doing. So um, we just wanted to talk about a little bit more about health education and the purpose of health education, which really is to improve the, the health status of people and, and communities and even the nation. And that's kind of where it j- usually starts, but I'm going to go on to um, emphasize that Health education is about really understanding communities and understanding how people solve solutions. Um, but that and that happens not just within our country, but internationally. You know, the same things that we're working on in terms of all the social determinants of health, primarily health equity, transportation, access to health care. These are issues that are people are trying to solve all around the world, and so. We know that being a good health educator nowadays, too, means really understanding and being aware and open to seeing how communities are solving solutions all over the world. So we've learned a ton about that. And I wanted to say, and I think each year, I don't know, we, Carrie and I are both members of the Society for Public Health Education. And um, every year there is a theme for Health Education Week, and this one... Um, is specifically about amplifying or elevating health for all. So that that is really fantastic. And when we think about elevating health for all, um, it makes me think of a graphic about health equity because I think I think there's going to be a new term for health equity because most people don't really understand it. And I don't know what the new new word or description will be, but I think oftentimes when we think about health equity, we think about equal health for all. But as we um, continue to kind of look at impacts of health and all the social drivers that impact people's health, we are learning that there are um, there are groups of pe- people in certain situations, maybe geographic barriers or um, <coughs> other kinds of <coughs> limitations that may prohibit them from accessing the resources that are available for all. And so providing support, added support, extra support for certain populations is really what equity is about. And I think that that's what the theme is talking about too. I love it. I I think when I read that they um, were doing this year's theme, which they, I found out, have been celebrating this since 1995, for throwing out a little bit more history for the Society of Public Health Education, But when I read Elevating Health for All, I felt really in tune to that because I feel like, I don't know if it's my journey as a health educator, I've just really felt like lately as a health educator, it's almost like I took an oath as my job. It's to stand up for all people, advocate for all people, no matter what, and make sure they get fair access to things. I mean, that's the work that we do. Yes, it's so important to educate and we want behavior change. But let's do something bigger than that. Let's shape the policy systems and the environments that everyone lives, works, and plays in so they can be healthy. Because personally, I think that's their right. 
they have absolute right, they're human beings, um, to live a healthy life. So kicking it up a notch, it's really exciting. It's very empowering, especially hearing what our neighbors across the ocean are doing um, and learning from them. But here in Little Athens County, Ohio, it's kind of fun. <laughs> it is fun. And, and kind of coming back to this idea about health for all, we had a little experiment this morning, in fact, trying to find a resource for a very specific population. Um, and, and so, again, it's not enough that those resources exist. We are still not able to access that resource because of, I don't know why. I don't know. It's, it just wasn't available on the website when we were looking for it. This was a resource for um, our, our children's uh, support, health support resource. And so um, just because these resources exist that, that kind of um, support special populations, it doesn't mean it's easy. And so looking at the systems, as Carrie was saying too, looking at the systems that support folks is what's really important. So it should be easy, not hard, to get support that we need. Um, and every day this week, I think that they're focusing on a different health education topic. And there's more than five health education <laughs> topics that, that we even deal with at our health department. But I just wanted to highlight a couple, and I thought maybe Carrie could even comment on a few of them. Um, I, I'd like to talk about advocacy. I know that... that um, in terms of Ohio Sophie, there's a specific advocacy course of action that they're looking at. But every day we're, you know, advocating for for certain um, groups of people, uh, for certain health education outcomes, for certain health impact outcomes. Um, and Carrie is the uh, director of the Creating Healthy Communities grant at the health department, which also involves her facilitating a coalition, a Creating Healthy Communities Coalition. And every month they meet and she has a certain advocacy update. Do you want to talk about any advocacy updates that you're aware of? Sure. Yeah, they, um, there are many as we're learning and it's been a great experience to learn how to navigate finding true information as we kind of discussed this morning. Recently, it's definitely been around tobacco, so the vaping epidemic. Um, there's a lot of information out there. I feel like it's kind of hitting the press lately, and we talked about this with Kim on here a couple weeks ago. It's kind of a hot topic, um, as it should be, because um, it's you know affecting our young population um, in a dramatic way. There's a lot of illnesses and deaths happening, and our big thing that we've been talking about is Tobacco 21, because Ohio passed it recently. So we've been working um, to send information out to all municipalities so they're clear on what's happening. I know ODH, the Ohio Department of Health, is sending information to retailers because it's happening. It's in effect as of last week. And then we're also working um, on school health with that. So I have been trained on this really awesome training that was developed by youth that I hope to pass on to all school nurses, PTOs, who is ever interested so we can help spread that message. Um, at the schools. And a big component of that is working with the youth on how they can be advocates for their own health. Because truly with this vaping epidemic, we're seeing um, it directly targeting the young population. They're being unfairly marketed and advertised to, um, to 
kind of be snatched as lifelong customers and addicts. And we don't want that. Um, and they shouldn't want that. They should be able to stand up for their health. So I think uh, through a lot of the work that we do, um, it's not giving anyone power, but it's just kind of equipping them with the tools um, to stand up and advocate for their own health. Great. So that happens every month. We get a nice advocacy update. Um, and again, I think one more, uh, another topic that I think is really important to talk about, it's today's topic actually, is school health. And again, I think people often think that health educators are only in schools. That's just one population that health education works with. But there's a lot happening in schools around public health um, and policy system and environmental change that promotes health not just for kids, but for the people who work there and for communities. Do you want to talk a little bit about kind of some of the school health things that have happened through the health department or, or other kinds of um, just initiatives that you've seen schools take recently uh, to promote health? Yeah, I, that's a great topic. So we were just at our annual Health Educators Institute um, conference last week, and um, I attended a really great session that's talking about school health education standards because, um, unfortunately, Ohio is the only state in the United States that doesn't have standards for this. Um, so that doesn't mean it's not happening in schools. It just means that there's not, you know, a set standard or requirement that students must partake in. So there's actually um, some effort to work on this to get that changed in Ohio, which is really exciting. And we now have a model curriculum that's being shared with schools, which is great. And what's exciting about this is it encompasses all things, including mental health awareness, suicide awareness, you know, healthy relationships, healthy behaviors, more of that whole wellness model, which is exciting. But I think what's great, though, in our state is even though um, there isn't this requirement, schools are still doing it. And we're seeing that in our county, which is great. We have great school districts here that are getting super involved in different ways. We know that there's a lot of education and interest happening with the vaping epidemic. We know schools are hosting trainings um, for parents in particular to educate them. They're looking on having school conversations with their students about it. Um, we're also seeing a lot with farm to school and kind of like a local food movement and working to get um, more education centered around gardening and where does the food come from? How about our local environment of food? Can we get that food here in the schools? Can we start serving whole foods? And um, I think what's been really great to witness is our school districts in Athens counties are taking it on in their own way and interpreting it and making it their own to best fit their population, um, what works best for them, which is exactly what we want them to do. Because people in communities are the experts in their communities. And so that's that's really good. I, when I think about advocates for kids and schools and who are excellent public health partners, it also makes me think of local libraries, right? So there, you know, when you think about public health, you know, public health is not just done by the health department. There are many, many institutions, even individual work sites that are promoting public health in their own way, maybe through policy development, maybe through programs that they offer. But I thought it would be fun to maybe talk a, l a little bit about maybe people aren't aware of maybe some of the very interesting things that local libraries are doing around public health and health education. Yeah, I think this is a great time to talk about that. Um, 
it's funny when I was little I wanted to be a librarian so badly that's what I would play I wouldn't play house I'd play library um, and as I've um, you know become an adult and grown up while our libraries do so much like I can't even fit it all on one page all the things that they do it's quite powerful um, and I think recently we've seen this movement in our library system in Athens County who is fabulous shout out to them um, is food access they're kind of really stepping into this realm of realizing they are a hub and they are a resource and they have access to this clientele who um, needs a little extra assistance and linkage to resources. So um, we're seeing fresh produce being provided at the library, um, resources to get um, additional services, free lunch sites for um, students, we're, they're also filling the gap during winter time, um, snow days, heat days, whatever that might be when schools are closed and they're open. Um, and it's been really fun to learn more about this, and I have to do a little shout out. So to support this and what they're doing, the Creating Healthy Communities Coalition will be doing a food drive, a healthy food drive. Um, starting in November, you'll be able to drop food donated off at Kroger's and Siemens and we're going to have a bunch of other sites like the health department and all this food is going to go to helping the libraries with them getting food access to other of their patrons but um, not just food access you can get your blood pressure checked at all libraries um, and there's a system that can record that for you and help you with that I know all the librarians there would be welcome to getting anyone access to that information trying to think what else just resources on resources oh our local libraries are champions in active transportation they have bikes almost every library um, branch in our county and more to come soon I hope have bikes that can be checked out and you don't have to be a patron of the library you don't have to have a card which is great um, and there's different bikes for ages and abilities and needs on that um, librarians are all trained to help you get fitted for that and get helmets and what's great about this is we know um, you know bikes are fun great recreation great physical activity and and many people check it out for that but I see them around town all the time like at the health department that made my day that's a great way to access us we're not that far from the bike path or if you um, like to ride on the road which is great you can access us that way check it out to go to the grocery store there are bikes with baskets check it out to go to a medical appointment they will work with you to help make it happen um, and get that connectivity in our community which is very empowering yeah libraries our library system is really special and there are a lot of really good people that work there and they try really hard to serve the community they certainly know the community i think better than just about anybody um, but schools, local libraries, there are other kind of public health partners that folks in health education work with in order to improve health outcomes and prevent disease and injury. Um, and I'm thinking about work sites, too, as a partner. I think we mentioned them briefly. But maybe, Carrie, if you don't mind just talking about a couple things that work sites can do. Because just because we're celebrating Public Health Week because we're health educators really anybody who wants to promote health where they are in their home in their work site in their community within their community group their faith community any action that you take towards a sustainable change towards positive health 
is helping us celebrate Health Education Week. But would you like to talk about what work sites do that are really fascinating that we've been able to witness? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, there are many things. Let me go down the list first. Um, maybe it's simple to me, maybe not for others, but how about let's start with Water First for Thirst. Um, a work site can look at what access do they have. Do they have um, a drinking fountain, a water bottle refilling station um, for their employees to kind of make that first choice to get that water? Um, is it? A, do you serve the public? Do you have some water available for the public? Um, when you have meetings, do you have a water pitcher out? Um, can you provide that at all um, kind of lunch celebrations? So um, if you see a table full of drinks, we want that healthy choice available of water. Continuing on with meetings, um, we could do lots of different policies to support that. Uh, maybe when you have a meeting and there is an option provided, let's make sure there's always a healthy option provided. So you always have donuts in your movie uh, your movie what am I thinking about <laughs> donuts at your meeting um, <laughs> how about you have a bowl of fruit available too um, we're not you know trying to tell you don't do this that's bad let's just support that environment with providing a healthy choice um, and all of this um, we kind of say it as a policy change it's also an environmental change going back to what we said earlier you're changing the environment where people work um, there's also a lot we can do with physical activity. How about um, you kind of see what does your day look like? Can you pass a poli policy that supports your employees to take a 15-minute break or add that break onto their lunch so they can be physically active? Um, kind of telling them that you support them in their health and that you're going to do that by adding this policy into that. Um, there's other things too. You could talk about um, active commuting to work. How do your employees get to work? Um, are they commuting from a far distance? Are some of them walking? Are some of them biking? Um, it's great to support that and you could provide a bike rack or potentially a shower or a changing room for your employees to do that or give them a little bit of leeway on what time they arrive and leave work to accommodate that. Or you could even have a bike at your um, place of employment. Can you commute to meetings? Are you um, maybe an uptown business that can kind of scoot around town pretty easily on a bike or walk? Um, I think that's pretty great and super supportive of your employees. So there's lots and lots of things. So many things, many more things that we haven't even mentioned that WorkSites can do to promote health. Um, lastly, I know that it goes fast, really fast, I know. Um, we, I think another really interesting aspect is working with local government, too, because when we talk about policy system and environmental change, making the healthy choice the easy choice, do you want to talk about some of yours and Megan's experiences with working with local township trustees or, or city councils, um, county planners that have influenced public health initiatives? Absolutely. Um, I just have to say first, you know, the the best thing to do is show up, go to these meetings, um, use your voice, be heard, but also listen to what they have to say. 
Um, I think it's so easy to assume things are going on, but you got to be at the, those meetings and present to, to really know. Um, and I've been lucky enough to attend many in our county of um, many different areas. And it's great. That's the best way to get to know your um, local elected officials. So we, um, Megan, my coworker, and I have done a lot of work in the past. Um, and it, it's been really great to see how every community is different. Um, everyone is made up with different structures. So sometimes these councils have parks and rec committees, and we worked with them, helped them secure additional grant funding, um, look at their parks, hear their concerns. Can we focus on the accessibility and the access? Um, maybe let's develop a complete streets policy so that... When bigger companies like ODOT come in and repave the streets, they have to look at the accessibility for all in that community. Um, we can also look at water access. Are there water fountains in um, places for everyone to access at all times? Um, I know Krista has done that a lot. Megan's done that, helped um, Nelsonville Library with that. Um, it's just a great way to hear what the community needs directly through the village and support them with that. Lots of really fun and interesting things associated with local government. One thing I know that Megan, one thing she's really excited about and she wanted us to make sure people were aware, if you're on the bike path and you see the mile markers and the wayfinding signs, all of those things um, kind of have come through with some support through the health department as well. So if you are, so maybe that's what we can leave you with kind of this afternoon, is if you're out and about, and you're aware of what makes it easier to be healthy in Athens County, make a mental note. Maybe that's how you can celebrate um, Health Education Week. Just be aware of the the small things, structures or, or um, influences that promote you to make a better choice. Um, that's good <coughs> health education <coughs> access <coughs> out in the community. I like it. So check out the health department's Facebook page. We've been posting more on there. You can check out Athens County Creating Healthy Communities Coalition on Facebook because um, we're trying to show these photos and share what we're doing because there's so much to health education. I love that visual mm -hmm. reminders in the yeah. community. Because we can't do it without the community. So really, you're the ones who make this a healthy place to live. Um, but thank you. Thank you, Carrie, for joining us today. And uh, thank you all for listening in. Um, for this Make It Happen with Ruth and Carrie celebrating Health Education Week. Yay! So we're going to leave now and go continue to party like health educators do. So <laughs> thanks, all, thanks for joining us, and we'll be back on the air next Wednesday with Make It Happen.
so it's time to add trending autumn hair color hues. Whether it's a chestnut brown, honey blonde balage, or warm copper highlight you want, we can create the look you're dreaming of at the Infinity Salon at the Market on State. For a limited time, try one of our Goldwell Color Locking Serums for only $5 with another service. That's a $20 value. You can book online or call to make an appointment. The Infinity Salon. To infinity and beyond! Your expectations. Are you feeling lucky? While raising the bar in plumbing service, veteran-owned True Blue Plumbing is offering a free 50-gallon Ream hot water tank complete with free installation to one lucky winner every month. Just like and follow their Facebook page, and True Blue will contact you if you're the winner of the month. If you have questions, call 740-590-5400 or email bill at truebluplumbing.com. That's blue without an E. With a lifetime of experience and a desire to be the best in the business, True Blue is committed to being true to you. Brony's Bar and Grill in Uptown Athens. The place if you love sports. And he's in for the touchdown. The place if you love music. Yeah. Yeah. It's a party, it's a party, it's a party. It's a party, it's a party, it's a party. The place if you love food. Yum. Sports, music, food, and fun. All at Brony's Bar and Grill. See you on Court Street. What's your life worth? Or a loved one's? $100? $200? Seriously? That's what Ohio seems to think. They keep installing $100 stop signs and $200 cross bucks at dangerous railroad crossings instead of installing gates, proven the safest for everyone. Minimal signage? Seriously? Report ungated crossings at angelsontrack.org because bad crossings kill good drivers. Sponsored by Angels on Track, aired by OAB and the station. Power 105 and 970 WATH and Reuse Industries are hosting the 36th Annual Charitable Chili Bowl, October 26th at the Dairy Bar. Spicy, mild, and vegetarian chili will be served from 1 to 4 p.m. Tickets are $5 a person, and kids who have visited the Lowe's Children's Safety Day get in for free. All proceeds go to the Athens Area Stand Down, a community-based intervention program that helps homeless veterans get supplies and services they need. Come for fun, a Reuse Art Workshop, and an opportunity to help out our nation's heroes at the Power 105 36th Annual Chili Bowl, October 26th at the Dairy Bar. And a wonderful Wednesday for all our fans out there in Rio Land. And uh, um, we have a special birthday to celebrate here. And it's my brother and his son, Mike Daly's. Uh, we should have a birthday, but also want to mention ahead of time, Bob's wife, for Christmas makes me the most delicious coconut cream pie I have ever tasted. So, Joyce, I'm looking forward to this coming Christmas. So, anyhow, for Bob and all the people here, we want to say happy birthday to you.
Happy birthday, Bob. We continue now with our program, and we have that funny couple, Abbott and Costello, here. This is the second day of the World Series, so here is Abbott and Costello. Well, Costello, I'm going to New York with you. You know, Bucky Harris, the Yanks manager, gave me a job as coach for as long as you're on the team. Look, Abbott. If you're the coach, you must know all the players. I certainly do. Well, you know, I, mean, I never met the guys, so you'll have to tell me their names, and then I'll know who's playing on the team. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you their names, but you know, strange it may seem, they give these ballplayers nowadays very peculiar names. You mean funny names? Strange names, pet names, like Dizzy Dean and... His brother Daffy. Daffy Dean. And their French cousin. French. Goufet. Goufet Dean. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, let's see, we have on the bags, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find I out. I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Are you the manager? Yes. You're going to be the coach, too? Yes. And you know the fellow's name? Oh, I should. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first base. Who? The guy playing first. Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. That's it. That's who? Yes. (laughs) You got a first baseman? Certainly. Who's playing first? That's right. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. (laughs) All I'm trying to find out is the fellow's name on first base. Who? The guy that gets the money. That's it. Who gets the money on first base? He does. Every dollar. Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Who's what? Yes. When you sign up the first baseman, how does he sign his name to the Who? contract? The guy. Who? How does he sign his That's name? That's how he signs it. Who? Yes. All I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base. No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, don't the players. I'm not taking nobody. Take it easy, buddy. I'm only asking you, who's the guy on first base? That's right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Naturally. Who? Naturally. Naturally? Naturally. 
So I pick up the ball and I throw it to Natural. No, you don't. You throw the ball to who? Natural. That's different. That's what I say. You're not saying that. I throw the ball to Natural. You throw it to who? Natural. That's it. That's what I said. That's it. You ask me. I throw the ball to who? Naturally. Now you ask me. You throw the ball to who? Natural. That's Same it. Same as you.